scripture reading today is from Ephesians 4, 1 to 16, but we would like to have you listen from Tibetan uh, language from verses 1 to 6, then I will read. Chuzo Nandu, Chigdu Yonkove Gor. Devena, Tsuwe Chidu, Tsula, Charvatagi Kenamla, Guar Chade. Kunjogi Shibe Tobashin, Kejagi Chulamia, Dead Tun Kushin. Chokuni Kenjun da Shijam, Narin Chilteni, Chambenga, Pinjula Sugum Chekobata. Tibutimbo Yonwe Goni, Tambe Tuni Ginangwe, Chigdu Gisemba. Tambor Sunkode Kenam Reva Chigin Nandu, Shebu Nawatar, Kulu Chigda Tambe Tuni Chig, Zowo Chig, Tabachi, Tusu Chig Chedan, Kunjo Chigde, Tamjig Yavni, Tatale, Kedu Pawashin, Tamjig Chudu, Tamjig Nandu, Shuachi Himbichiro. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, chose back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning of craftiness and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself in love as it does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Nam and, and Rose. I've heard the word of God as you read that to us today. Uh, I don't know if you've seen these worship folders. Some have asked me about this and these hands on the front. We often think that those are stock pictures. They are not. These are our church people that we put on here. So here, I give you a challenge. I've, I've thought about what to do. If you can figure out who to whom each hand belongs, 
if you can figure it all out, then I will give you a free ticket to a major WS event. Uh, not World Series, but worship service. You're going to get to have it. So mark that down. This is kind of beautiful, though, don't you think? Well, before I came uh, to Pasadena, uh, the interim pastor, Denny Belesi, used to always turn to you and say, Lake Avenue Church, you are a piece of work. <laughs> okay, I'll put this up here just to remind you of what he said. And now I've been here over 11 years, and, and, and I've learned this. He, Denny was right. That's what we are, because I'll make myself one of us a piece of work. But I'll tell you, we're God's piece of work, because God loves us. And just as much God loves this entire world that he has made, in spite of how messed up our world currently is. And you know John 3:17, Out of his love for us and for this world, he sent his one and only son, not to condemn this world, but to rescue the world through the Lord Jesus. Amen? And I'll tell you, in that rescue effort mission that God is in the midst of, even though our world continues to have so many challenges that I'm sure all of us are facing at one level or another, when God is done, it's going to be a beautiful place. Everything will be right. There'll be no more what, injustices and no more pollution and no more poverty and no more trafficking and no more pain, death, or even tears. Uh, do you believe this? Do you believe this? I'll just tell you, this is the great hope that I, I think almost every Sunday I want to put in front of us that whatever we are facing, God is still at work to bring about his good. Now this fall, what we've been doing is talking about becoming the fact that in one local church back in Ephesus in the first century in that mega city, the Apostle Paul was saying to us, the same thing I want to say to us here in this city, here in Pasadena, that we are central to what God is doing in this world. It's been God's eternal plan to place in all these neighborhoods in our world families of his people that he is forgiving and, and gracing and helping us to grow to become more than what we are. The families of his people back there in the first century made up of Jew and Gentile, now all in one family. And now here in Pasadena, around the world, people made up of every tribe and language and nation, bringing us together in our broken and messed up world so that we then can grow ourselves, but then also leave our time of worship and enter into all the brokenness of this world as his witnesses to his grace and to his forgiveness. That, that's why we are here. In Ephesians 2.10, I don't know if you remember when I talked about that great verse, the word of God says that we are God's masterpiece, or I might say his work, his work of art, that even though what he starts with, uh, people who are all dead in our own sins, he says he's going to forgive us and remake us until we are a work of art declaring his glory to this world. And today we're going to come back to that, except the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4, 1 to 16, takes up a bit of a different image. Instead of talking about us being a work of art, he talks about us being a body with Jesus Christ as the head. And he says, when he's done with us, well, I'll just show it to you. It is just so beautiful. We will, he's talking about a church like ours, we will grow together to become in every respect the mature body of Christ. 
I mean, I just read that language. It is so beautiful. It's our destiny in every respect. We who are not perfect in every way will become the mature body of the one who alone is perfect. I'll tell you, I read language like this. We're God's masterpiece. We're this mature body in every respect, growing up into the body of the one who is our head, Jesus. And And I pretty much just pray, but Lord, I mean, this sounds great, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of work you're going to have to do here. <laughs> what I sense the Lord saying back to me, I know. <laughs> but it's what I promise I'm going to do, and what I promise I will do, I will do. And that's what we're going to think about yet again today as we come to this text that moves from the Apostle Paul talking about what God has done to actually how we begin to live this out. Today, I want to go back to that uh, metaphor of a work of art because we have our brass players. You see, they're still sitting up there uh, with us. I'm just telling you this. Did you enjoy their playing this morning? I'll tell you, it was was tremendous. Uh, I'm going to tell them what you already know. When they started playing their instruments, they didn't play them the way they played them this morning. I'm sure their parents would say amen to that. When when you look up here at our musicians uh, playing, just try. I don't think you can even imagine how many hours of lessons and learning and practice are represented by our group of brothers and sisters who are up here in front of us. But what I, I want us to think about today is how they have brought all of those years of practicing now together and surrendering their playing and all to one piece of music produce something that is so beautiful and lead us to praising God. So what I've asked them to start with, to illustrate the point I want to make to you today, is this. They could be praying solos, but I want them to play together so that we can hear again what that sounds like. Joyful. We adore you. I'm sure their parents, when they first started playing the instruments, would say, how did that happen? (laughs) How did they go from being just beginners, trying to produce even a basic sound on these instruments, to then bringing their instruments together to lead us in praise? So I'm going to tell you where it starts, just where the Apostle Paul says it starts in our text today. It starts with making a covenant. And for us, too, it starts, if we're going to come together to be a work of God's praise, it's going to start with a covenant. And I'm going to call this the covenant we must make to God and to one another. And it all comes out in the third verse of Ephesians 4. Make every effort to keep, to keep the unity that God has brought about of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So just to try to help us to see how important this is, I, I've already asked our musicians to do something now. I just want them to play, you know, whatever song they really want to play and to play it at the same time. And I just want us to hear what it sounds like when they try to do that, just playing independently of one another. Enough, enough. (laughs) 
I, I think they could go for a while playing songs they really like. And I'm sure I, I don't want you to vote on which one you like the best. I, w I want you to know each one of them, as you can tell, is a good soloist, but if they play their solos all at the same time, they don't create a work of art. They, they create a cacophony. It's just loud stuff. But when they bring all those gifts together under the same piece of music, they make something that they could have never done on their own. And that's really the point that God makes right here. He, he, he tells us that when we come to know him as our God through personal faith in Jesus, he's never intended for you and me to go on a solo journey alone. <laughs> he brings us into one family where we will grow and journey together. Now today I just want to show you how important this is to your life, to the life of this church, and to the work of God in this world. The Apostle Paul was sitting in a prison because he had brought the gospel to these people there in Ephesus, and especially to both Jew and Gentile. He had talked about this in, in chapter 3. He says, you know that I'm sitting here in a prison, because that's where he was when he wrote this, because of you. So he kind of guilted them into thinking about that. Now here in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, now from this prison, I beg you, I urge you, to do one thing, live a life worthy of what Jesus has done for you and of the calling that you have as followers of this gracious and powerful Lord Jesus. How do we do that? And he tells us there in that third verse, which I'll read to you again. Here's what I beg you from this prison to do. Make every effort to keep the, keep the unity that God has brought about through his spirit, through the bond of shalom and of peace. Paul is begging them, and I think begging us, to enter into this covenant with God and with one another, never to give up on one another and never to break from one another. I call it a community of covenant. I think most of you know that I serve on the board of trustees of my alma mater at Wheaton College. Chris and I met there, it was great. Uh, back when we went there, which was a long time ago, she must have been just born back in the 70s, uh, we had what we called a pledge, uh, a pledge that we'd sign, and mostly there were just things we would not do when we were there at Wheaton College, and they just felt like a group of rules, and I just want you to know when you have rules, they don't give you any power to keep the rules. Anybody know that? <laughs> uh, a number of years later, we decided there, the Bible tells us a different way that we engage in actually living in a community that honors God, and we established what's called a community covenant. It's still, it's still a pledge that we pledge to God and to one another to live life that is worthy of the one Lord of this place in a context of this community that we will pledge we're going to stick together with this, and together we are going to hold one another accountable to living lives that honor God. We knew that we all had a whole lot of learning and growing to do. We're bringing imperfect people into the community. But we also read texts like this that say that as we work through things together, we individually and corporately become more of what God would have us to become. I'll just show you one little piece of that covenant. Maybe we should have one of these for us here at Lake. Here is what we wrote. We, the Wheaton College community, desire to be a covenant community of Christians marked by integrity, 
responsible freedom, and dynamic Christ-like love, a place where the name of of Jesus Christ is honored in all we do. This requires that each of us keeps his or her word by taking the commitment to this covenant seriously as covenant keepers, whatever pressures we may face to do otherwise. Now, now the basis of this kind of covenant and this text that we come to today stands at the heart of this kind of a covenant. The basis of it is that all of us have have a shared experience of God's grace and mercy, that all of us have a shared recognition that those who have received Jesus Christ have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, The unity is established by the Spirit, and we have all made a shared commitment to the Lord Jesus wherever he calls us to to go. Now, in that, there is also a body of things that we hold to together, of truths that we hold that also forge us, or the words that Paul uses, bonds us. He who was having bonds, (laughs) chains there, he says something bonds us to God and one another. What are they? And in verses four to six, he tells us these things that every follower of Jesus believes. Let me show it to you again. He says, I want you to keep this bond of unity for there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There is one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. When you look at that, it's just seven clear, simple affirmations that I'll tell you, all of us who follow Jesus, we affirm those. Do you? The things that we sang about, we believe. These are the things that we believe. And they don't include a lot of the things that often divide people. The things in Romans chapter 14 that are called disputable things. I'll just tell you this, based on a passage like this, those who founded Lake Avenue Church and who have led us long before I got here and any of you got here as well, made a pledge to God that we would be the kind of church community that is going to be drawn together by the essential issues of our faith and not the things that they called secondary things. And I'll tell you what, I remember so well when I was being asked if I would become the senior pastor of this church, several people said, oh, can you and Chris enter into a church that, that makes this covenant to one another that allows a whole lot more breadth on disputable issues than most churches in the United States do? And Chris and I said, gladly <laughs> and unreservedly. It's the kind of church I've always wanted to be a part of. So here we are at Lake Avenue Church this morning. We're still a piece of work in process. And and what we've tried to do based on a text like this is establish the statement of faith. And if you've never really looked at it, you can find it online. They're the essential kinds of things like these that the Apostle Paul articulates. You can even read my, my commentary on those essential things of the faith. But I'll tell you, we have determined that outside of those essential things, we're going to have a church made up of all sorts of people who hold all sorts of convictions about other sorts of things. So here in this church, different from some, we have both Arminians and Calvinists. And if you don't know what that is, it might be better for you. I don't know. (laughs) 
We, we have, we say our fellowship is not going to be built upon whether your leanings are politically are red or blue. We have declared that we are going to have in this church people who have experienced whatever charismatic gifts we have or those who have not, and many, many other things. Now, even though I say that about these matters that are disputable, that we can still be a part of the fellowship, and yet we can have very, a lot of differences. I'll tell you this too. There can not be any real Christian unity in a church without a commitment to the central kinds of truths like these that the Apostle Paul mentions in verses 4 through 6. But if we're going to become the kind of church God would have us to be, our focus has to be on those things not the disputable ones. The Apostle Paul, I, I just feel, I don't know if you feel the way I do, but when I read verses four through six, I say, the Apostle Paul's provided us an awfully good uh, list of the kind of things that should be at the heart of our church on the sheet music <laughs> that pulls us all together here in our faith. At the same time, even though I say those are the things that we have to hold together, I'll just tell you when you have other things that aren't there that you have deep convictions about don't give those up either but what needs to happen here in a church like ours those disputable things we need to be able to open up the bible and dispute about them together but graciously in a spiritual sort of way we need to be able to pull out the bible and say this is what i believe about this where else are we going to do that in our world we end up yelling at one another like they do on television in those political debates. We've been brought together across all those differences so that together, anchored in the essential truths of the gospel, we can declare to this broken world the glory of our God. So I'll tell you, that a covenant that brings about unity and community is one that has this. We're going to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I just pray that you'll just kind of make a renewed commitment to that, to this church body even here today. Now, for that to happen, I'll tell you, there've got to be some personal qualities that develop within us, and Paul mentions those. Just look at them. Chris and I both were talking about it today, and we said, we, we have a lot of growing to do in these. But here's what he says in verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. I heard an amen already. And gentle. Be patient. And then you'll be able to bear with one another in love. I, th I think our brass players can help us experience this too, don't you? What happens when you have a, a musical team like this? Have one person who's supposed to take the lead, but the rest of them, well, they want to take it over themselves. Well, let, let's just, let's hear what that sounds like. That sounded better than I thought it was going to sound. <laughs> sound I want you to keep playing that. The, the fact is that what happens in those times is it's a power struggle. If everybody says, well, she's been given the solo. I don't want her to have that solo. I'm, I'm going to jump in here and do it. Does that sort of thing ever happen in Christian community? Oh, my. 
It's kind of like the infants he talks about. Mine, mine, I want to do it my own way. How are we going to be the kind of community that brings glory to God together? And these three qualities are so important. Humility, uh, gentleness, and patience. Humility. That's not a groveling spirit. It is honest evaluation. It, it, it's, it's not, I don't have anything of value to offer to this church. I can't play like they play. I can't do, do this or that. No, no, no. It's an honest self-evaluation in which we recognize we need God's mercy, His grace as much as anybody else so that we never look down for any reason upon another brother or sister in Christ. Humility, gentleness, and that's not weakness. You know what gentleness is in the Bible? It's characteristic of Jesus. It's controlled strength. The word so often is used in, in ancient world for a horse, a powerful horse, whose con- power has been controlled so that it can bring benefit to the one who is riding on it. All of you who are equestrians, you know that very, very well. What it's talking about is when the emotions are running strong and the battles are happening, the one who is gentle is able to absorb all of those things and offer back wisdom in a different way forward. It's when everybody else is overreacting, the ability to absorb and not overreact. Humility and gentleness and patience, which isn't indifference or just sort of grinning and bearing it and being agitated. It's not apathy. It is faithfulness to the calling while we wait for God to finish his work. It's the thing that whenever the difficulties come and we just want to leave a place, be able to bear, as Paul says in verse 2, to bear with one another through all of that in love. I'll, I'll just tell you, those three qualities blended together will keep our community, our church, from engaging in the kind of abuse of power that is so rampant in our society. Instead, as Jesus said, we'll use whatever gifts or authority God gives to us the way that Jesus said, to serve one another, not for our own benefit. We'll treat people with respect. We'll value all people regardless of age or or ability or, or gender or ethnicity. I'll tell you, those three points as I looked at them today just have led me to want to reemphasize what Pastor Jeff said to you. I just want to, it was a powerful message last week. Were you here for that from Pastor Jeff Madison? I, I thank God for that powerful, powerful message. And in it, he took a few moments to confess what I also want to confess. That as we've tried to walk through some of these challenging times in this past year, we, we know we could have done this thing better. And, and we're just really praying that we can, to, as, as your pastors and leaders, uh, embody these three qualities of humility and, and gentleness and patience, just loving and caring all the way through this. And in specific ways, Jeff and I have done this. Uh, in your worship folder, that, that wonderful prayer from Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, which is my favorite passage in the entire book of, of Ephesians, and I gave it to Jeff for some reason. Uh, but see, now you see, I've got to be humble enough to be able to, to do that. But, but we put this prayer here because he has asked, and I would ask that over these next 40 days that we make a commitment to praying this prayer together. Uh, I'll be praying it, and the way I pr- have been praying this, and I, maybe you have as well, I take time, he said at least 15 minutes, I take time to pray through line after line, and as I stop at certain points, 
I'm reminded of people or different matters that I should be prayed for. I move over to pray for those things and then I come back to this prayer. I really think that if we pray this way with and for one another, God can use that to, to cement us and bring us together. Do you think so? People of God praying together. And the second thing that we thought perhaps this would be helpful, we, we want to communicate better. So he and I are going to start putting together a monthly update about just the things that are on our minds and on our hearts. It's not going to be like the worship folder that just sort of gives, you know, announcements about what we're doing. It's going to be more of a family update to tell you about where, what God has put on our hearts so that you just won't be surprised. And we're just praying that God will use these small steps to bring us closer to him and to one another. Those are the personal qualities that have to be established. And now finally, um, this leads finally, what, what the rest of, of the Ephesians is gonna get at, the conduct we have to engage in if we're going to uh, keep the unity that God has brought about through his spirit. In verses 15 and 16, this is what we see. Speaking the truth in love, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow together to become in every respect the mature body of Christ. From him, from Christ, this whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, it grows. Notice this next phrase, and it builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It's a description of how we go from being infantile because when we're first born again, receive Jesus as Savior, just like physically when we're born, we need to grow, right? So when spiritually, when, when we're born, we're, we're, we need to grow. Nothing is worse than, than a person who was kind of cute when they were a baby doing certain things. But when they get to be an adult acting like a baby or a toddler again, is there anything worse than that? And the same thing is true uh, in the life of a church. And that's what Paul gets at in at this. Let me just lead you into it before he gives those two specific acts of conduct. Verses 7 through 13 have some really challenging verses about Jesus ascending and then descending. And if I can just boil it down, someday when I teach a class on this, we can go back and forth about it. What he says is that when Jesus ascended, he also has brought down to us something that brings grace to each of his followers, that he graces each one of us who received Jesus as Savior. Uh, it graces us in so many ways, doesn't he? But one of the ways he specifically says that he graces each one of us is that he gives his spirit to us and through the spirit gives each one of us gifts and callings that will make a difference in the rest of the church body. He says in that text that there are some, there are a few, that he takes captive, and he's quoting Psalm 68 there, it takes captive like he took captive the Levitical priests in the Old Testament, takes captive to be what the rest of the church body isn't going to be, like pastors and teachers and evangelists and, and missionaries and all these kinds of things. Those are those who are taken out of what the normal calling of a Christian should be to particularly invest in the rest of the Christians so that the rest of the Christians may grow. It's a, it's a huge calling to be your pastor. But I'll tell you, it's no higher calling than you have. The calling for me to be graced, to have this privilege of being your senior pastor, is not a more spiritual calling than your calling to serve God because the vast majority of God's people are sent out into this world to represent the Lord. What kind of place does he send us? I'm just telling you, he sends us everywhere. <laughs> 
He sends some people, yes, into the legal profession. Yes, there are Christian lawyers. Can I have an amen? He, he sends people here in Hollywood. He sends his people into the entertainment industry. He sends engineers and scientists to JPL NASA. He sends some into business, some into public education. He sends us into all sorts of places always to represent him. And the way it plays out is this. When you and I leave this place and go wherever he sends us, and it can be all sorts of places he sends his people, sometimes it's gonna be hard to live as a Christian in those places. Can I have a witness to that? Sometimes our lives feel depleted. We don't have the energy to go on, but he gives us one another. So after we've been in those places, we come back into the church. We begin worshiping God together. We begin serving according to the God's gifts together. We grow stronger so that we can leave this place and go out into this world and represent him. Now, how are we going to become like that? And he begins in this text to tell us two particular acts of conduct. One, we have to learn more and more to speak the truth in love to one another. What if there is something happening where we need to go in and address something that's wrong within the body and we just ignore it? Is the church going to be a beautiful place? What happens if our group up here has somebody who isn't quite playing in, in the Let's listen to it. Let's, let's just hear what it sounds like. I didn't hear any amens on, the, on, the, on that one. Now, I won't point out which one. But I'll tell you, if this group is ever going to be a masterpiece and play a beautiful piece again, someone has to be willing to go and say, there's something in your life that I need to address. <laughs> it's very hard to do. I mean, we can illustrate it this way, but it's very hard to do. But God brings us into a body so that we can actually lovingly. And this is the hard part too, because if we go in arrogance, we only go and point out what other people are doing that's wrong, but lovingly, wanting the very best for that other person and for the life of our church says, there's something I want to sit down and talk to you about that needs to be addressed. I think about this church that Paul was writing to. It, it had Jew and Gentile in that one church together. Can you imagine, you know, they, they had so many difficulties before getting along. Can you imagine that there must have been times, history of, of mistreatment, particularly, I'm guessing, of the Jewish people by the majority Gentile people, and now they're rescued by God's grace, brought into one church? Are, do they just ignore those things where mistreatment has happened and say, well, just, just ignore it and just go on as if it never happened? Or does somebody have to be able to speak in the truth? This happened lovingly. And then confession happens, forgiveness is offered, forgiveness received, and we're able to go in the bond of peace. I think one of the biggest problems in my many years of being a pastor in our churches is that we just sort of either bury things that we know need to be addressed or we just sort of leave whenever we hear that sour note being played in the life of the church. I, I think that this point of learning to speak the truth in love is essential to us becoming the kind of church God would have us to be, especially in all of the issues of racial and gender matters of our own day. I think learning to speak the truth in love is gonna be a key 
God really making us to be a church that honors him. Speaking the truth in love, and then the other thing, I just want you to grab hold of this, and gracing one another, I love that word, gracing one another through the gifts that God has graced us with. I, I want you to look at verse 16, if, if you see that. It tells us that God uses the body itself to bring about the growth of each part of the body. The way the sentence in verse 16 reads is this, the whole body causes the growth of the body. Isn't that important? That word, the whole, is really important. The growth happens, as he says, according to the working of each individual part. That is to say that you are important to this body. What, what happens if there's a part of the body that isn't functioning or isn't playing its part? I could have had the brass group illustrate that too, couldn't I? What, ha what happens? I had a problem in my life where my pancreas wasn't working. Nobody sees that. Can't matter. It did matter. <laughs> I'm just telling you. And the same is true here. I'll tell you, the body that God has brought together here. Every one of us has the Spirit of God. Everyone plays an important role. We minister to each other as shepherds class. You have shown us that this morning. That didn't they lead us in worship and praise together? And, and we thank God for you. I love the way you minister to us and serve us when you come here to be with us and lead us in praise. And that is true, and I pray you'll experience when you come to the church, when you, when you park over at Gateway and somebody greets you, that you'll experience a little bit of the joy of Christ. When you walk into the church and maybe somebody gives you a hug and nobody has given one all week, that you'll experience a little bit of the warmth of Christ. That when I open this word, if I can be faithful to it, that you'll hear God speaking to you and directing you in your life. And that when we bring our voices together in praise, our lives will be lifted more and more in praise to him. Together, God has brought us together into this body. And he promises us when we do life together in every respect, that's each and every one of us, we will be a work of art, a body that in every respect becomes the mature body of Christ. It happens in a community of people who have covenanted uh, to live, do life together in love and unity and mutual service to one another refusing to leave one another over any disputable matter. And I'll tell you, when, when we live that way, working through the challenges with our eyes on Jesus, together, together, we will bring glory and praise to our Lord. I, I want us to go back and hear our brass. We, have more than, we also have a woodwind, so Ken, I'm not going to leave you out here. But uh, let, let's hear what happens again when they all work together. We'll hear them begin. Then Elvin is going to come and, and transition into a song. And we're going to sing the doxology with one voice together. So let's hear what it sounds like together. 